Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome into a special BGN Radio brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm Michael Kist, and today I have a special guest. He is Evan Silva of the brand new EstablishTheRun.com. We cover roughly 11 teams around the league and try to determine who are being over or underhyped based on their current Vegas win total projections. And yes, that includes the Eagles as well. So we'll get Silva's thoughts on their outlook and much more. Also, remember to smash the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening on. And let's not delay any longer. Let's go to the chat with Evan right now. Evan. Welcome back to Bleeding Green Nation. How you doing, brother? Doing really good, man. It's good to be back. You know, I think it's a, a season of optimism for the Eagles. I mean, you know, we're talking about maybe the deepest roster in the NFL. You know, so freaking deep that they traded off for their first round pick. He didn't even get a start. All the injuries that they sustained, especially in the back end of their defense last year, forced a lot of guys to play that didn't you know, that weren't supposed to play. So those guys got like critical down the stretch, you know, even playoff experience. And, you know, now you got a bunch of the starters coming back. And um, I mean, the offense, like if you compare the depth of the Eagles offense, with the exception of the quarterback position, which they, you know, they couldn't financially keep Nick Foles, but at the running back position at, you know, they have the best number two tight end in the league. You know, they have, they're so deep now at wide receiver and the offensive line, I think, might be the most talented, like from one through eight in the NFL, you know. So um, I, th- I think this is a really exciting uh, training camp, I think, for the Eagles. You know, just got that, that one obstacle, you know, always kind of hanging in the rear view, uh, you know, the, the coaching. Oh. oh, we're going back to that. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. I'm not here to double down. I'm not here to double. I, t- I took my L. Beautiful. That's that's what I like to hear, Evan. And look, I want to tell. I want to talk about the over under on their win totals because that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get like really into it, you've recently set out on an exciting new new adventure. Uh, what can you tell us about EstablishTheRun.com and what it has to offer? Yeah. So Adam Levitan and I worked together for about five years at Roto World with Greg Rosenthal and Chris Chris Wessling, who are now um, with NFL.com slash NFL Network. And uh, Adam wound up leaving Roto World just as Daily Fantasy, you know, FanDuel and DraftKings were starting to really blow up in 2013, 2014. And Adam smartly capitalized on that. Um, But we always wanted to reunite and work together again. And we finally got that opportunity this offseason. We hired uh, Josh Hermsmeyer, one of the best uh, football data analysts to um, uh, give us his, his air yards by low model, which has really helped in daily fantasy and regular uh, season long fantasy for uh, start sit decisions. And Pat Thorman, who worked for Pro Football Focus for a long time and is on the cutting edge of snaps and pace data, which uh, can really provide a fantasy edge in both season long and DFS. We're going to run projections on how many offensive snaps per game teams are going to run more snaps, more chances to score fantasy points. Uh, we had Brandon Thorne do a big article on offensive line rankings uh, with you know a, a paragraph on each team outlining the starters, talking about the depth. I think the Eagles were, I think he had them number two or number three. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're really excited. We're really excited uh, to start covering preseason DFS to really kick everything off. This 
probably the biggest edge of any daily fantasy sport right now preseason DFS, you know, and this will be, you know, this will be like where, you know, Matt Collins is out there getting, you know, getting a ton of uh, snaps and he might be a good play in, uh, in, in, in preseason DFS, you know, look, look at guys down the roster, maybe Boston Scott, you know, guys like that. Um, so, and it's a, it's a really fun time. You can make some serious money playing preseason DFS. So go to establishtherun.com if you are looking to make some money this preseason and in the regular season. I love that you added Thorne. He's a friend of mine. I bug him all the time. I send him videos asking what the heck is going on here. And every time I, I, I talk to him, I feel dumber, but I'm also smarter at the same time. So I love what you're doing over there. Make sure you go to establishtherun.com. And let's let's set up the framework for this show. We're going to be talking about fool's gold and hidden gems. And by that, I mean we're looking at the Vegas win totals right now. And we're trying to identify some teams that we may think are too high and some sneaky teams that we think could surprise some people. So you already touched on the Eagles. The line is at 10 for the over-under on the wins. Dare you slot this Eagles team in the under as fool's gold and have the whole of Philadelphia descend upon you? Or are you a believer that this team is poised for for plus 10 wins? No, I, I absolutely um, am all over the over on this. So they got bet up. They opened at nine and a half wins, uh, which was the the fifth highest total in the NFL you know, they, they'd only beaten that win projection one time in the last four years. Mm. I mean, that's sort of concerning, but, you know, I, I think that, but uh, we have them slotted with the third softest schedule in the NFL based on opponent win totals. That helps. You know, we talked about how they kind of d- developed depth last season and Howie Roseman just crushed it again this offseason, does, ev- does every offseason, really. He's so good at finding, like, you know, exploiting market inefficiencies. The talent that they added, Deshaun Jackson, Malik Jackson, Miles Sanders, Vinnie Curry, Jordan Howard, Zach Brown, Andre Dillard. I mean, they, they're just really, really good at collecting talent, you know, kind of on the cheap, really. And so I just think that they're too well run of a team and they're too talented uh, for me to bet anything other than the over uh, even after they got bet up from nine and a half to 10. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to disagree with you on my end. Evan, as far as outside the Eagles goes, the first one that stood out for me for Fool's Gold was the Rams at 10.5 wins. And the case for regression is pretty simple. And it's not about the Super Bowl hangover. I, I think there are four factors here. Number one, injury luck. They've been the healthiest team of the past three years. Number two, they have 2,500 snaps to replace on the offensive line. Number three, defenses cracked the McVay code on offense last year. Whether he can fully adjust remains to be seen. Number four, close games. Six and one in one score games, four and oh in games by a field goal or less. History tells you that's hard to duplicate. I've already made a bet at them hitting the under. I don't think they win the West. Making the playoffs will rely on other factors for me, and I'm not, you know, ruling it out there. But Evan, what say you about the Rams this year? Do you have the same concerns that I do? Also on the under for the Rams. And the the first concern for me is Jared Goff. Last year, number four in the NFL in passer rating in clean pockets. Hmm. But he was number twenty-two under pressure. And I think that even when you go back and watch him at Cal, you could see that he was just such a much less comfortable player when the defense moved him off his spot. And you mentioned the offensive line, you know, they lost their starting left guard, Roger Saffold, lost their starting center, John Sullivan, their left tackle, Andre Andrew Whitworth, still playing at a high level, but I mean, he's 38 years old. The interior replacements, Joseph Noteboom, Brian Allen have played 110 career snaps. That's not even two games worth of experience. It starts to result in a a situation where the Rams are dealing with interior pressure and Jared Goff, 
I mean, his play slips considerably. That's one of the biggest splits going from clean pockets to under pressure in the NFL. I think it actually might be the biggest split. Um, And then, you know, is Cooper Cup going to come back and be 100%? I I think that you could contribute some of Jared Goff's fall off down the stretch last year, and and it was a considerable fall off. You could could attribute some of that to Cooper Cup's absence. Is he going to come back and be the same player coming off a torn ACL? You know, that I think it's like 50 50. He's a quick twitch slot receiver who relies on agility and the ability to make sharp cuts. And is that going to be inhibited? You know, coming back, is he going to be confident on that knee? All those things are our concerns and uh, play into the reason why, yeah, I'm a, I agree with you that I like the under on 10 and a half. We can win it. They can still, they can go 10 and six and we can win our bet, you know, and I think that that's, a, I think it's a pretty good bet. Yeah, and you're echoing a lot of the same issues that we laid out on the Kiss and Solex show 106, which was part one of our Eye on the Enemy series on the Rams. We're doing the defense next time, and then we'll give our, our predictions as well. But I think uh, I agree with you, Evan, here, that you can definitely win 10 wins. I mean, 10 wins, and you win your bet. I think that's a, that's a solid bet there. So let's move on to another one that I highlighted as potential fool's gold. I'm going to talk about the Chicago Bears. So another team that I just can't get behind. You've got a team... With the number one DVOA defense, home favorites against the Eagles, one of the healthiest in the league, can't get the job done because their scapegoat kicker outscored their supposed franchise quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. I still think this is going to be a very good defense, even with the departure of Vic Fangio, as Chuck Pagano is a capable coordinator. But for me, I keep coming back to the quarterback and his inconsistencies. What's your take on Matt Nagy's second year with the Bears, and is your opinion high enough to take the over on nine wins? I was huge on the Bears over last year. I thought it was like a cinch. and I mean, I did not, obviously did not expect them to go 12-4, and four. Um, but their win total last year was like six or six and a half or something, facing one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. They, uh, You talk about one-score games, which over the course of time tend to even out. They were seven and four in one-score games. First of all, they played a lot of one-score games, um, and they finished well above expectation at 7-4 and four in those games. This year, based on opponent win totals, fourth toughest schedule in the league. Um, and their close game record is probably going to regress to the mean. They lost Vic Fangio, one of the best defensive minds in the game. And defensive performance year over year doesn't carry over as well as offensive performance, which has been shown by studies uh, done by Football Outsiders and 538. So the Bears are really, I think, one of the most, whereas last year they were one of the most obvious overbets. This year I think they're one of the most obvious regression candidates. And for whatever it's worth, Mitchell Trubisky apparently has been struggling in training camp so far. The win total right now is nine. Um, unless have you seen it anywhere differently? I have, I have it as nine as well. So yeah, we're, we're right on the same page. So, I mean, it's not like they're at, you know, I would, I would feel better about this bet if it was nine and a half, obviously, because then you're winning if you bet the under at nine and nine and seven, I think that they are a seven to nine win team this year against this schedule. So, I mean, it's not, you know, the, the most confident bet, uh, because I think that them landing right on the number, there's a, a pretty good, you know, pretty fair chance of that. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, if I'm going to bet it, I'm taking the under. Yeah, I would agree. Not a whole lot of confidence for me on that bet with the nine wins there. I think they could be a nine win team and have the same struggles that I've, I've said they would, you know, trying to make a deep playoff run with Trubisky. That's an interesting note about his training camp as well. So he's got to get it together coming into his second season in the system with, with Nagy going into his third season as a pro. Let's move on to, to Cleveland. Now, I put Cleveland 
on the fool's gold list, not because I think they're going to flounder, but I have an admittedly small sample size of success with which to work with, not only with Freddie Kitchens, but with Baker Mayfield as well. That said, Kitchens, Todd Monken, who I love, Baker Mayfield, Odell, Njoku, Chubb, etc., etc. While I have some concerns about the offensive line, Kitchens was much more capable at protecting Baker. They went from 33 sacks in the first half of the season, which led the league, to only allowing a league-fewest three sacks in the back half. I'm a Browns believer, but I think they're in a tough division with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Are you sold on them hitting over nine wins? I think that's a really tough number. Yeah, I'm I'm on the over here, and I've also seen it at nine and a half, and I'm still on the over there. But there are two major concerns that I have with this team. First of all, Their depth is really weak. You look at other teams in the top of the league, like the Eagles, like the Colts. These teams have emphasized depth. The Browns have very, very little of it. It's it's like a legitimate concern with their roster construction. Um, With their their offensive line, again, Brandon Thorne, we had him do uh, this big uh, offensive line rankings for EstablishTheRun.com, explanations on every team. He ranked the Browns with the sixth worst offensive line in the league last year. They probably had the best interior line in football with Kevin Zeitler, J.C. Treader, Joel Batonio, but they traded away Zeitler. They've been hoping that Austin Corbett, who John Dorsey selected with the 33rd overall pick, reached for with the 33rd overall pick last year. This guy can't beat out Kyle Kalis and, and Eric Cush. So that's that's concerning. And I think that if you were going to just select who the the five worst tackle duos in the NFL – the Browns would have to be in there with Greg Robinson at left tackle and Chris Hubbard at right tackle. There are two Achilles heels here for the Browns, depth and offensive line play. It's a shaky bet, I think. Um, I think at the end of the day, I believe so much in Baker, and I believe in their starting lineup. Um, I wish they would have gotten Mike Daniels or Gerald McCoy, who they, they tried to get, but they were unable to get either of those guys. But I think at the end of the day, I'm going to bet on on the talent on the first team for this team. Uh, But there's definitely kind of a lower floor than I think people might be acknowledging. Yeah, there is some boom bust there, but ultimately I am a Browns believer. And look, I I think they're going to be a really fun team if they're fun. So maybe that's just for my personal enjoyment that they want that I want them to be a really good team. But yeah, big, big Baker believer. So I think I'll take the over on the Browns as well. Let's let's stay in the in the division there in the AFC North. Let's go with Pittsburgh. So last one for fool's gold here on my list, the Pittsburgh Steelers who missed out on the playoffs last year. Their win total is set at nine from what I'm seeing. Uh, And it comes down to coaching for me. Defensive coordinator Keith Butler the promised heir apparent to Dick LeBeau hasn't come close to filling his shoes. My prediction is they miss out again to do a bad defense and a less explosive offense. You know, they lost Bell recently. They lost Antonio Brown. Butler's used as a scapegoat at the end of the year. And overall, it's the coaching, even with Tomlin, that makes me have serious doubts about this team. What about you, Evan? Yeah, Keith Butler, the guy who thought they were going to be uh, facing off with uh, Tyler Eifert last year when Tyler Eifert was on IR. And... Uh, every single year covers slot receivers with linebackers. I mean, I remember back in the day, you know, the the Patriots would just line up, not really back in the day, but back when uh, the Steelers had uh, Lawrence Timmons. And, I mean, it would just be over and over and over again. Julian Edelman lining up against Lawrence Timmons, just racking up catches. And we saw the same dynamic last year in that, uh, I want to say it was a primetime game against the Chargers, um, where Keenan Allen just, over and over and over covered by linebackers like make a freaking adjustment dude you know you are so like set on your coaching philosophy over what's actually going on the field 
that you just let this happen to you. I mean, it's just, it's, it's honestly embarrassing. On paper, you know, losing Antonio Brown hurts, but, you know, he last year Antonio Brown set seven-year lows in yards per route run and yards per target. His, his catch rate was the lowest in, in eight years. Uh, but he scored 15 touchdowns, which were a career high. So that kept his overall production afloat. But he's 31 now, and I think the Steelers have enough quality role players in place to maintain a really good offense. First of all, they bring back all five starters on the offensive line. Uh, Juju is like a bigger, faster, more athletic in Anquan Bolden. Uh, Vance McDonald last year was third in the NFL among tight ends and yards after catch among tight ends. Only Travis Kelsey and um, George Kittle had more. Dante Moncrief has always had talent as a perimeter receiver. I think that James Washington can take a, a step up. Jalen Samuels is a guy I want to see them incorporate more for his versatility. James Conner, I think, is rock solid as a runner. So I don't see a ton of regression from their offense. Um, I think it's still going to be really, really good. You know, I think the biggest concern is, again, the defense. I mean, how many years you know, in a row are they going to use the excuse that they lost Ryan Chazier for having a bad defense? Like one player makes or breaks your defense so much, and then they, they trade up. Like, I mean, this, this is crazy how, how far they traded up to go get an off-ball linebacker. And look, I think that Devin Bush is going to be really good. Yeah. But, man, that was like a desperation move. Um, so this win total is nine. <sighs> I don't know. Where where are you at with them? I, I think I'm going to take the under. I'm going to go under because Baltimore is tough, man. I think they can limit Pittsburgh. And if and if we're both taking the over on Cleveland, I think we got to take a little bit of a bite out of, a Pitts, out of Pittsburgh because of that. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, I think you're right. Um, of course, you know, the Bengals could like go two and 14 and, and just everybody hits their overs in the in the in the AFC North. But yeah, and I'm, I'm on the over for the Ravens too at eight and a half. OK, yeah, I, I guess I would kind of use that as my my tiebreaker to go under on the Steelers. But I, I still think they're going to score a lot of points and they're, they're real dangerous. Is Baltimore one of your uh, your your hidden gems that that we can talk about in the uh, when we when we start to get in there? Are you a big believer in them? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love their secondary. Their secondary is so loaded. So I think that we have like this low light bias and highlight bias as humans, and we remember the really bad passes that Lamar Jackson threw last year. And he threw a lot of really ugly looking passes, and those stick out in our mind. You know, he averaged seven point one yards per pass attempt. That's more than Andrew Luck, Jared Goff. Derek Carr, Joe Flacco, you know, his predecessor. I mean, all these guys averaged fewer yards for pass attempt than Lamar Jackson did as rookies. They revamped their pass catcher core. Like, they're going to lead the NFL in rushing attempts. And per sharp football, they have the second easiest schedule of opposing run defenses. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I question their pass rush, but I, I do kind of lean toward, you know, in that debate, the pass rush versus the pass coverage. I think I lean more toward pass coverage at this point. And they're going to be able to cover people with all the dudes they have in their secondary. Adding Earl Thomas to, you know, Jimmy Smith and Marlon Humphrey and, um, you know, Brandon Carr and Tavon Young. And, I mean, they are they have a really, really, really talented secondary. And so I think they just have, they have the ingredients to be able to execute a sort of contrarian style of offense. We always talk about, hey, it's a passing league. But, you know, they're kind of zigging while the rest of the league is zagging. And I think that there can be some value to that if they have all the ingredients, which they do. They're bringing back all five offensive line starters. They've got Greg Roman, who's had a ton of success with uh, uh, mobile dual threat quarterbacks in the past. And I do think that the arrow is going to point up 
on Lamar Jackson as a passer, and I love Mark Andrews. So that's a preview on Hidden Gems, which is going to be the next segment here. We've gone through Fool's Gold. Next, we're going to cover some more hidden gems of teams not named the Bengals and hit on another contrarian offense that we'll see if both me and Evan like their prospects. That's up next here on BGN. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. And we are back here on this BGN Radio special brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kist here with Evan Silva from EstablishTheRun.com. Let's get into some hidden gems, some teams that we think might hit the over on their win totals. And the first team I want to talk about here, that contrarian offense that I hinted at, the Seattle Seahawks. Now, one of the things that concerns me with Seattle is what Football Outsiders explains is like the Simpsons paradox, where they put Seattle side by side with an offense like Pittsburgh, and they showed that while Seattle both ran and threw better than Pittsburgh, their run pass distribution was so tilted to the run that ultimately Pittsburgh was the more efficient offense. Still, this team took a decent roster to heights few saw possible. If you have Russell Wilson, you can stay in any game, so I think they can contend and win the NFC West before ultimately crapping out in the playoffs after running the ball 57 times. Win total is set at 8.5. Evan, is this a nine-win team to you? Win total of 8.5. Yeah, see, that's a tough win total. Yeah. Um, the, the Seahawks are interesting because last year they ran at such an extreme rate. They, they led the NFC in rushing attempts. Russell Wilson has fewest pass attempts since his rookie season, but it is going to be difficult to maintain that level of run game commitment, I think, when you lose your best pass rusher, Frank Clark, you know, you lose Earl Thomas, and I realize he was only there for four games, but, you know, that's 25% of the season. You lose your best interior defensive lineman, Jerron Reed, to suspension. Uh, your stud slot corner, Justin Coleman. Shamar Steven, who also played a ton of snaps on the interior for them. I think they're just going to have to throw the ball more this year. I've heard privately that the Seahawks coaching staff has become a little bit more open to uh, incorporating analytics into their play calling this offseason and that they might place more of an emphasis on early down passing as opposed to running. And I think that, that would be really good news for Russell Wilson and the offense to be more efficient. But, you know, eight and, eight, eight and a half is tough. I mean, it's just probably one that I, I probably wouldn't bet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the over because I, I got them winning the division and the Rams are going to be a solid team. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you there. But I like that point about the analytics because there's another team in here that is starting to ramp it up. But first, I want to stay in the division. With San Francisco, this feels like it's going to be like a yearly thing with San Fran as long as they have Kyle Shanahan. I just don't know if I can be in on Jimmy G yet and a defense that only intercepted two passes all year in 2018, which seems ridiculous and almost impossible. Their win total from what I'm seeing it is set at eight. I am slamming the under. Uh, I don't think they're ready for Seattle or Los Angeles yet. Arizona is a wild card, which we can talk about later. But what say you, Evan? Why I'm like kind of being hesitant on the NFC West is because you you have the Rams who have been at the top, and then you have the Cardinals and the 49ers at the bottom. Who you know, I know that you you're slamming the under here, but they're, the 49ers are going to be better than they were last year. The Cardinals couldn't possibly be worse than they were last year. Like what? That's the worst coached team I've ever seen. I think. Yeah. I mean, just it was awful on both sides of the ball. Like using Patrick Peterson as a zone corner, slamming David Johnson between the tackles on sixty-six percent of his rushing attempts. Just 
just ridiculous decision-making uh, by their, their coaches. But see, I really like the 49ers and see, and you mentioned that two interception stat, like that's bound for regression, you know, like they are going to have to have more in Like you can go play football out in the backyard <laughs> and have, two, you, know, you know what I mean? Like two interceptions on, you know, uh, it would be like 1,100 defensive snaps. You know, two interceptions. That's absurd. If you put if you put that poll on Twitter, I think most people would say they could get two interceptions on 1,100 snaps. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. This is such a crazy – this is another crazy stat from their season. Nick Mullins, second-year undrafted free agent. This guy finished top five in the NFL in yards per attempt last year. George Kittle broke basically every tight end record ever. And now Jimmy Garoppolo comes back. Dante Pettis, I thought I thought he looked like a young Keenan Allen down the stretch last year when he was healthy. Another team returning all five offensive line starters. Sharp Football has them with the easiest run defense schedule in the NFL this year and the third easiest schedule of opposing pass defenses. So I think that their offense is going to explode, and and but their defense is absolutely worrisome. It could be atrocious. They're going to have more interceptions, but they still probably have, you know, a bottom three secondary. And then for whatever reason, they just have not, you know, they've used like so many early picks on defensive linemen just cannot get any pass rush. I think they had like 25% of their sacks last year in that uh, awful uh, uh, Raiders 49ers game. I think they had like 10 sacks in that game and they had like, you know, 19 the rest of the year. I'm exaggerating, but, but I don't know. I mean, you know, can Nick Bosa, you know, inject life in their pass rush? DeForest Buckner is great, but Solomon Thomas has been a bust. I think they're a really interesting team, but I mean, their, their win total was twice as many wins as they had last year. You know, it's, we're not getting any freaking value here. And so I, I'd probably pass on it. And if forced to choose, probably would, would side with you for the under. It seems like it's a little inflated. So we're both taking the under there. Let's take it to another team here, the Carolina Panthers. And I think this is all about getting Cam Newton back to health. And from the looks of it, what I've seen from the training camp videos that are, that are going around, his throwing motion looks so much better than what we saw last year where he was putting literally everything he had behind his tosses and really couldn't get it past 20 yards, which is something he himself said. I've also noticed that the Panthers have ramped up the analytical hires recently, even taking somebody from the Eagles, which gives a boost to any team stock in my eyes. We're, we're set at 7.5 wins is what I'm seeing. I think Cam is the difference maker here. No matter what the talent is around him, I think if you have a healthy Cam, you have uh, probably an eight-win team. What about you? Yeah, I think this is one of my favorite overbets. First of all, I think that um, I think the Falcon inside the division. I think the Falcons are going to be better, uh, and, but I think that the Saints are going to be maybe like two games worse than they were last year. They kind of overshot how many wins they should have had uh, last season. They're going to be without Sheldon Rankins. Looks like he's going to start the season on reserve pup. Um, and then I think the Bucks are probably going to be pretty bad again because their defense is like they, they don't have a defense. It's just completely non-existent. And Jason Pierre-Paul is going to open the season on, on reserve PUP. And he had 12 sacks last year. And the next closest guy in terms of sacks on the team was Carl Nassib at six. Um, the Panthers, you mentioned Cam Newton. Absolutely getting his arm right is absolutely critical. Also critical being able to get some pass rush because last year they were top five in the NFL in blitz rate. They were way down near the bottom in quarterback hits generated and um, and sacks. So like their blitzes were not getting home. And so you know what happens when you blitz? You're devoting a guy who should be in coverage or 
you know, can be used in coverage to trying to get after the passer. And then when that's not getting home, like you're getting hurt on the back end, you know, you're getting hurt bad. And so they were able to uh, get Brian Burns, who kind of slipped to them a little bit in the draft, I thought. And then they signed Gerald McCoy. So I like those additions. Just from a, a, a win-loss standpoint, you know, they, they went through – they were actually pretty good for about half the season. And then they went on the, – during this, this time period where Cam Newton's arm basically fell off, they lost seven straight games. And five of those losses were by one score. Just terrible uh, fortune there. Uh, but I think they have a lot of young talent. Christian McCaffrey, obviously. Ian Thomas had the sixth most receiving yards among all tight ends over the last five weeks. DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel – I think their offensive line looks really good on paper with Matt Paradis there now at center, Daryl Williams coming back from the knee injury. Um, so if Cam Newton's shoulder surgery fixes arm problems, and I'm optimistic that it will, uh, I think that this offense can take off big time. Uh, and I think that they were well coached last year. They made a lot of smart adjustments. Uh, Warren Sharp talks about it in his book. A lot of smart adjustments, throwing the ball more on early downs, you know, Cam Newton had by far his highest completion rate, and they were very efficient until he just reached the point where he like couldn't throw anymore. Yeah, and I expect the analytics to continue to help them with that. You mentioned Brian Burns. You know, I moonlight as a draft nick, and Brian Burns was number the the, the number three overall player wow. on my board. I think he's going to be a big time difference maker for them. Let's go to the let's go back to the AFC. Let's go to the New York Jets. So last one for hidden gems here, and I'll tell you the Jets at seven and a half is enticing to me because if you go back and watch Sam Darnold after he returned from injury, which I actually thought was good for him that time off, especially weeks 14 through 16, I think you see an emerging talent that flashed real playmaking ability. The downside is I don't trust Adam Gase and I and I don't like his hire for offensive coordinator, which was his buddy, Dewell Loggins. I thought Gase should have hired somebody that would challenge him, take him out of his comfort zone. So that's a real concern for me that they'll try to square hole, round peg Darnold and put a cap on his strengths. But I, I'm still going to go out on a limb here and say that Darnold is going to be good enough and take a significant step forward. And I think he can get them to eight wins. Are you in or out? on the jets this year very on the on the fence um just and i'm totally with you on adam gase i just don't know how good of a coach he is was he a, a peyton manning creation his offense in miami were terrible but they also had very little talent i think the jets have some decent talent if they can stay healthy this is another team with no depth whatsoever sam darnold highest qbr in the nfl over the final month of last season i love the way that he looked in those last four games robbie anderson is a baller Eagles tried to trade for Robbie Anderson, mm -hmm. which, hey, you know, that's a, a smart team trying to go get him. That's because they know that he's he's good. Uh, yeah. Quincy Anunwa, when healthy, is a big physical yards after catch machine. Chris Herndon, one of just eight tight ends over the last decade to go over 500 yards as a rookie. Uh, he's, of course, suspended four games, although he is appealing, and hopefully he can get it reduced uh, down to two because, I mean, I don't think anybody anticipated him getting a four-game suspension. I think that the expectation was two, but – We'll have to see how it goes. Jamison Crowder, really nice slot receiver. Offensive line is really bad. That's, you know, your potential Achilles heel heel here. And then, you know, you talk about the kind of maybe some dysfunction in their ownership slash front office. Greg Williams, their defensive coordinator, he's basically a cartoon character uh, <laughs> at this point. You know, I'm not sure what to think about him, um, but I, I can say that I'm very excited to find out. Very interesting team. Uh, seven and a half, you know, if I was, if I'm forced to pick, 
you know, they have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. I think their opponent win totals go up like they have like a like one of the top three in terms of easiness schedules this year. So yeah, I would go over seven and a half. I mean, definitely with some some caution. But uh, yeah, I mean, if forced to pick, I, I, I'll take them uh, winning eight or nine games. Yeah, I think they miss the playoffs still, but I think that they show some some promise and take a step forward. And if not, we we've already laid out our scapegoat in Adam Gase, so I think we we're good there. We hedged uh, perfectly on that. Uh, Evan, any others on the on the potential hidden gems or potential fool's gold? Do you have any ads to to outside of the teams that we talked about already? Um, I think that the Vikings are at some risk of taking another step back because I think their offensive philosophy is just so archaic and it seems like Mike Zimmer has a ton of power there and Mike Zimmer has been a great defensive coordinator for a long time uh, but he really shouldn't have any hand in what the Vikings are doing offensively and as is typical for defensive minded coaches Mike Zimmer wants to run the ball uh, the Vikings bring Gary Kubiak out of retirement they take the the center out of NC State Garrett Bradbury the highest drafted center in two decades uh, they reach for Alexander Madison a running back who runs four six seven and didn't even get to five yards per carry in his college career. They took him in the third round. Their offensive line is still bad. I, I just think it's tough to get excited about the Vikings right now. And maybe I'm shook a little bit because I thought that they were going to be really good last year, and they were not. I, I think that they're a team that, because of their philosophy offensively, they're in position to just be like a, a you know mid-pack team, seven to nine win team, as opposed to really competing uh, to win the NFC. So in Warren Sharp's 2019 football preview, of which you edited, good job on that, by the way. Congrats on getting another one of those out. I'm looking at it right now. But uh, he noted this in the preview for the Vikings. Quote, the Vikings have won only one outdoor road game against a team with a winning record since Zimmer became head coach in 2014. That came way back in 2015. They went 0-4-1 in such games last year and are 0-10-1, both straight up and against the spread since 2016. This year, they play in Green Bay, Chicago, Kansas City, Seattle, and Los Angeles against the Chargers. All of those games will be outdoors against teams projected to finish with winning records, unquote. So overall, I think this team is just doomed to underachieve. So I would definitely agree with you there on the Vikings. And I'm glad we got to get in the plug for for Warren Sharp, uh, excellent football guy. That's, that's awesome. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk about with you here. What's the most interesting storyline? Because I really think the Arizona Cardinals, like you said, worst coach team in the NFL last year by by far, both on offense, defense, head coaching, everything. But with the Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray experiment, I think at the very least, it's going to be a fun team. Does it result in much better results or just incrementally are we looking at here for the for the rookie year for both of them yeah i'm i'm optimistic about them um their win total i believe is at five it's just like it's hard to not win more than five games <laughs> it, it really is um in, yeah. in a, you know in a salary cap league where you know it's designed to promote parity and you have a lot of factors working in your favor just as as it relates to last year um, and I really like when teams do something different from the norm. Like, you know, the, let's, the Eagles, they pump win probabilities and success rates into Doug Peterson's ear. That helps them create a, a competitive advantage. The Colts with Frank Reich uh, passed on first down at the third highest rate in the NFL last year. They were, as a result, it had a trickle-down effect. They were the best team on third down in the NFL last year. Cliff Kingsbury comes from college, wants to play fast, gets compared to Chip Kelly all the time. And I know that this is like an Eagles-based podcast, so everyone, you know, probably hates Chip Kelly. 
But, you know, I think that people forget that his offenses in his first two years both finished top four in the NFL in points scored. And, you know, I, in my opinion, Chip Kelly went wrong. We could probably do a whole another podcast on this. But I think that the way that he went wrong is because the Eagles, first of all, they made the mistake of giving him too much personnel power. And he bought into his own, you know, he started drinking his own Kool-Aid. And he thought his scheme was basically unstoppable. And he trades away a bunch of their good players. And, you know, they, they send Howie Roseman uh, down to the basement like that dude in uh, with the stapler in office space. But anyways, Cliff Kingsbury's offense is going to get guys into space. It's going to emphasize Kyler Murray getting rid of the ball quickly. Uh, they're going to have to score points because they lost their best player on defense and Patrick Peterson to a six-game suspension. I, I like, like, all their dudes in fantasy. Kyler Murray, David Johnson, Christian Kirk, even uh, Larry Fitzgerald uh, is cheap enough. Uh, right now that I, I like him even coming off a pretty, you know, a dud of a year, uh, even chase Edmonds late in the draft, I think um, is worth it in fantasy, but I think it's going to be a really fun team to watch. I don't know. What, what do you, well, first of all, how, how would you explain how Chip Kelly went wrong? Yeah. I mean, I think you laid out the, the problems pretty perfectly. Number one, giving in the personnel decisions was a bad move. Um, I don't know if how he was ready for the job at that time. He was the youngest general manager uh, in the league at the, that was hired at that point. So e even then, still giving him full power of the roster was just a bad mistake. We saw it in the bad trades and the, the roster that he built was just it, it wasn't up to par with uh, with a playoff contender. And that's why the team eventually fell off. Uh, I think there was a, a bad mesh with, with the culture, with what he wanted the culture to be and what the players wanted the culture to be. Like Doug Peterson is all about, you know, setting expectations and then the players make the culture. I think that was a big disconnect with Chip. Uh, and then, like you said, the hubris with his offensive scheme to not be as adaptable as he could have been. And teams were just keying in on his stuff. He didn't think he needed to change it up as much. Obviously, I'm being anecdotal here. And he didn't think he needed to change it up. Defenses were reading it better. They got used to it. And they were able to adjust. And Chip wasn't able to counterpunch the counterpunch, which is, you know, I mean, that goes back to something that we talked about McVay. The defenses cracked the McVay code. And we need to see if he can counterpunch. Chip wasn't able to. Maybe McVay can. Remains to be seen. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I, th I think you nailed all those points pretty perfectly there, Evan. Awesome. Awesome. So Evan, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, we could go on and on. We could do fantasy hidden gems and, and fool's gold moving forward. I want to tease that maybe for a future episode for the gentle listeners. But uh, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you again. And let the let the listeners know where they can find you, all of your work, all that good stuff. Yeah, at Evan Silva um, and at Establish the Run and establishtherun.com. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. Absolutely, brother. I'll talk to you soon. P-G-N.